In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Do you have a filter or a set of values you rely on when making decisions that affect your life? How do you establish the criteria for a successful decision? Welcome to Girlfriend It, where Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan of GirlfriendIt.com, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. I think so. <laughs> you know what? Um, thinking about this week, it was really a significant week in our home because we had massive birthdays this week. You did have massive birthdays. Yeah, it's been a, quite the celebration. And um, my husband, was actually, his birthday was on Monday, and I actually share a birthday with my son, and now that he's older and an adult, I have reclaimed my birthday because when he was younger, it was always his birthday because yes. you know, kids don't understand. So now it's my turn to reclaim my birthday. And so we had like family celebrations and friends celebrations. So it's been a really, really fun week. Yes, we went. Actually, we went and celebrated with a bunch of girlfriends to lunch. And one of our girlfriends gave everybody a cute little bag. And when we opened it up, there was a fun squirt gun. And they're already pre-filled with water. <laughs> that I was hope, leaking. I hope it was water. <laughs> and, um, of course, to the point that we had so much fun with our squirt gun fight that uh, the people in the restaurant asked us to calm they down. They didn't think it was so much fun. <laughs> and you know what I loved about that is, you know, we never are going to grow up, are we? We always say we don't want to grow up, but we really won't and grow we up. And we really weren't that obnoxious because we had, we had the whole room to ourselves. It's not like we were disturbing so we're, we're, we're justifying our actions, yes. our, our immature yes, actions. <laughs> well, and last night we got to go out to dinner to celebrate a decade. We went out with, we actually brought our husband. A decade of our friendship and our journey. Yes, yes. yes. And yes. We, we went out with another couple and then um, our, our husband. So it's always interesting because the dynamics change in the equation when you go from girlfriends to having men there. It's it really fun, does. but it's fun in a different way. And you know what? We both get quieter when yeah. our husband's around, and we are not the quiet type. Yeah. But it is so funny because it is different when women are together, and then when you add the men into it, it, it the, the conversations are different. Even the energy is, is yeah. different. I mean, we love the men. Yeah. We love our husbands, but it is, it's not the same. And I can't really see them pulling out the squirt guns and starting a squirt gun fight. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but it, it, it was fun. And we did. We celebrated a decade of our well, yeah, friendship. Well, it was fun and- because you had this bag ready for me on my birthday. And um, in there was this uh, it, it, a glass to toast. Just a fun, it was just a fun bag of fun little things that mean something to us over the decade that nobody else would get. And it just put the biggest smile on my face. And then you wrote this note and it was kind of summarizing the decade, and it was it was funny because some of these things you forget. You just live them and do them, and they're funny at the time. And then you and then so it was like going down memory lane a little bit when you were 
kind of summarizing some of the highlights and lowlights. <laughs> well, we joke around because it's um, this last decade, I always said it's about me and I'm wasting the best years of my life. Yeah, I'm, you do tell I'm me that. And, I, and I'm secure with that because. <laughs> and I gave you my me. I said, now the next decade can be about you. So I'm, I'm actually saying that out loud and now I'm going to be so held there's accountable. Some accountability here. <laughs> I like this. I like this new you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is so fun because, I mean, it even goes back to the very first um, event that we ever did. I think we got finished around 11, maybe midnight, and we came back into my backyard and we just laid out on the tramp and stared up at the stars. And I remember laying there going, okay, what does God have in store for us? What does the future look like? Because you're just looking at the stars and it's kind of like dreaming and go, we just did something that we, you know, that we never thought we would do. We had this event and it was like, you're on that adrenaline rush a little bit and you're relieved it's over and that it went well. Yes. And it's like, okay, so what next? And then just the stars, it was just kind of a magical moment. It's almost like uh, it was just the beginning of, of giving birth and being able to look back on that and remember how we were just staring up at the stars and here it is like two o'clock in the morning by then. Yeah. And um, you're grown women. You're wired. That- you're wired. You can't <laughs> shut down. So might as well go lay on the trampoline and look at the stars, right? Because <laughs> you're not going to be sleeping. <laughs> exactly. And even, uh, I think we even mentioned it on the radio. The other day we had an event to go to. And as we're driving down the road, it literally, the freeway shut down. And we look over and we see that there's a man laying on the freeway, not not fully covered. And we thought, Okay, and this, not alive. And not alive. Yeah, that was, that was a little <laughs> detail. <laughs> a dead man on the freeway that was not fully covered. And we thought, okay, something's wrong with this scenario because we know there's like five police cars. They could be, co- you know, have him covered. And then to come to sure find enough, out. Sure enough, it was that, a gunman yeah, that had been the, shooting at the policeman. But it's like over the years, we've experienced so many like out of the norm things that have become so normal for us because it's just part of the journey. We just... Because we just like, we love to laugh and we love new experiences, new adventures, because it's always about a story. And um, we've had, um, just thinking back, some of the things, I just remember going to a speaking engagement and we actually drove there and we're driving home and you had gotten the stomach flu. So I was playing nurse and I was driving down the freeway and you said, pull over now. And I'm going 70 miles an hour and it was like 1130 at night, couldn't see anything in the middle of nowhere. So I pull over and I, I could just hear you. And all of a sudden, you got the presence of mind to stand closer to my car. And all of a sudden, a car out of nowhere literally comes whipping by you that if you hadn't stepped back, you would not be here on this radio show with me this day. <laughs> that and, was crazy. And that was yes. a memory. And I just remember when we got in the car, it was like both because it, it, made, it made the car sway that I was sitting in. And I remember saying, next time, can you give me a little more warning so I can pull over in the right <laughs> spot? And you're like, I can't. I can't. Well, it is. It's all about those choices. That's what we're talking about today is, you know, just having the consequences of those choices. And so many times when you when you make decisions like that, you have no idea what's going to take place. I can remember at one point we were asked to be on a show um, and we were in the green room and you were you were sitting there nice and calm. That's your you know, your temperament. And I was pretty wired. And, and all of a sudden the commercial comes on and they say, we have girlfriends coming up next. And I thought, we have got to get out here, out there. We're not even mic'd yet. And then finally, the, the producers came, you know, crushing into the room saying, where have you guys been? <laughs> and nobody. I was being in my obedience day because they said, sit here and wait and we will come get you when it's time. And so I was going to do. And I don't know why. That's so not me to totally be in that. Be that obedient. obedient. Yes, yes, yes. But you know, it's interesting because just knowing that we're talking about decisions and making decisions 
and and how we do how do we make decisions talking about the filters that we use that we put in place in our own lives that would help us make wiser choices and decisions and not live with some of the consequences that we end up but tell us old wise i will tell you because knowing this i even just driving to work today it's um you you just realize how many decisions you do make they say you make thousands of decisions each day and some of them are so insignificant you don't they're automatic you don't think about it like just putting your clothes on hopefully that's an automatic decision you know um just certain things you do but even driving you know Letting somebody go in front of you, you know, changing lanes. You just don't think about that. Stopping at a red light. Some of them are really good to to do (laughs) and that they're automatic. But then there's some that require more thought, you know, that you have to. who am I going to marry? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And some of them have consequences that are ongoing, those decisions. And then we find ourselves making rash decisions. I know my personality, what's so funny, is if something is not really important to me, I really don't care. And my temperament, which you have pointed out graciously, is <laughs> I survey everything. And like, and I know I drive you crazy because when we travel, I'll no, open my suitcase and I'll go, should I put this necklace with this shirt? Should I wear Because I like to bring an extra outfit or two because I never know what I'll want to feel like wearing. So I'll, I'll even ask you a survey, and it, but it's me processing out loud because the decision really doesn't matter to me. So if you would say, wear that, I'd go, okay. But if it's something that really matters to me, I can make that decision. But the in, you know, insignificant ones, I really do the survey thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think we all probably need to survey some, sometimes even more of our bigger decisions to go for a wise counsel and to ask people what they think rather than just, you know, grabbing it. Because today we will be discussing um, with our guest, Bill Dallas. He's a real estate entrepreneur who learned some of his life lessons spending time in San Quentin prison, which um, apparently that is one of the toughest places, toughest places to be. So I'm sure uh, there, there were some many lessons that, that he learned there that I'm excited that he's going to share with us. But just talking about how we make those choices and what are the consequences? Well, and sometimes our choices, are, the consequences of our choices might not um, put us behind physical bars like in a prison. But sometimes we deal with the emotional state of prison where we put ourselves, you know, we get bogged down by some of the decisions we make and the consequences that we have to live with that, um, that really do weigh us down. Well, and- I know like, even this weekend you're watching people make decisions. I know Sunday... Um, we were in a parking lot at church and a woman backed into my son and instead of it just being a normal scenario where you exchange insurance cards, um, she, she kind of went ballistic and I felt sorry for her because you know, something's going on in her life to cause her to handle this situation at this level. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, it was good. It was a good thing for my kids to see, to go, okay, this is the behavior that we do not want to take on. And we were able to just kind of, you know, pray for her and go, okay, this, this woman is really going through a lot. And dialogue what you experience. I think that's really significant with your kids. So it's like a life lesson, but it's not like in the teaching, you know. Oh, exactly. And then how other people, what they do, their, their consequences can affect you or just even their decisions can affect you. I know yesterday I had the policeman show up at my doorstep, which is always fun. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I had picked uh, my son up from high school and apparently someone had taken like reams of paper and just, you know, threw them out their car. And they said, oh, it came from Patty's car. And, you know, so you go, oh, and you you already feel guilty. I know. How many times have I told you not to throw paper out of the car? (laughs) 
<laughs> but I mean, just those decisions, it all adds up. And then you're over here trying to um, defend yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Well, coming up next, we have real estate entrepreneur, male model, breaker of women's heart, golden boy of the Bay Area, and self-centered jerk. Now, I didn't write that. That was Bill's <laughs> words, actually. That's how he described himself in Lessons from San Quentin. Everything I needed to know about life, I learned in prison. And so we're excited just to hear about some of those lessons and and the consequences he had to, to live with because of the decisions, but how that motivated and transformed his life into something really good. Stay tuned so you can hear more what Bill has to say. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Togginet. Starting November 4th, Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking, and then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life, and she'll share that in every show. Critical Thinking in the Real World with Janet Hens, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central, starting November 4th on toginet.com. Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Palmetta is on Toginet, Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. The Mommy Mentor is all about family, daily life struggles, saving money, weight loss, cooking, organizing, relationships, and a touch of inspiration and motivation. Phyllis ensures through the Mommy Mentor that moms have a voice, a shoulder, a friend. Phyllis is an amazing woman who has the ability to weather the storm with her pearls on and keep right on going. And the Mommy Mentor was born of that spirit because at any given moment, you might find yourself in need of support from someone who has been there. And Phyllis has definitely been there. With her husband and three kids, the struggles they faced, that's what the Mommy Mentor is all about. One mommy showing support for another mommy. Whether you're a seasoned veteran mommy or a brand new mommy, the Mommy Mentor is here to offer you support, share stories, connect on a spiritual level, and make new friends. Check out themommymentor.com. And then don't miss the show, The Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Palmetta. Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, we are back with Bill Dallas. Bill is the CEO of CCN, a satellite and internet communications company serving thousands of churches across North America. He hosts Solutions, a weekly satellite program with Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. 
Okay, Bill, it is an honor to have you with us today, and we are excited to hear from you and also just to hear your story. Well, I'm so glad to be with you all, and thanks for having me. <laughs> well, we, we know that you, we're all about rallying others to do the remarkable, and that's what your life is about now, but it hasn't always been that way. So can you just kind of share with people kind of your journey that started, what, 20 years ago? Yeah, well, I came out to California after graduating from Vanderbilt University in 1984, and I, I hit Northern California, and I didn't know exactly what I was going to do at first, but ended up getting involved in real estate. And initially, I was a mortgage broker, just refinancing people's homes, and I started making a little money. But more importantly, what I started realizing was I was refinancing people's homes who had a lot of money. And I said to myself, hmm. I'm refinancing and I'm making some money, but boy, if I started developing homes, actually building the homes that I was refinancing, started to do spec development, I could make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It was about the same time that Donald Trump had come out with a book called The Art of the Deal about how you right. do real estate and how, you're, how you can be successful in the real estate market. So me and a partner uh, started our own development company and incredibly almost overnight, Every dream that we had we, was realized, and we started doing all of these incredible real estate projects in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. We were building million-dollar homes on the Pacific Ocean. We were uh, building a lot of houses on the peninsula near Stanford University. And then we embarked on some large, mixed-use real estate uh, projects that had condominiums and commercial space and apartments, and these were multi-multi-million-dollar projects where cities would contribute $15, 17000000 million to our projects. And almost overnight, uh, th these dreams, as I said, became a reality, and we were... Uh, had millions of dollars that we were investing in projects. Investors were giving us money, and we were basically at the top of where we were trying to, to get to. Um, and on top of that, not only was our real estate business booming, and we had all of this money, but then we had all of the personal toys that went along with it. Oh, uh, the, yeah. fanci the fancy cars, <laughs> uh, the parties, uh, the drugs at that time. Uh, the clothes, my clothes were Giorgio Armani, my drink of choice was martini, and um, obviously with, with that came all the other things, such as uh, many, many uh, parties, a lot of women, um, and it was just, I thought, it couldn't get any better. And in fact, uh, the newspapers of our time out here in uh, San Francisco started writing about us, said the, that we were the boy wonders of mm. the Bay Area, so we really had achieved it all, we thought. Wow. And, and you believed that you were the, the Wonder Boys. We did. I mean, because, you know, you, 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 enough people tell you you're successful, you believe it, you have yep. the tangible things, you get in your, you know, convertible black Porsche on the weekends, you get in your four door uh, BMW during the weekdays, um, you're going around in limos to all your big parties on the weekends, and you got all these women coming in and out of your uh, penthouse um, almost every night. Uh, millions of dollars in bank accounts. You just think, you know, pretty much this is what it's supposed to be, and yeah. I really had achieved everything. Yeah. So what changed for you? What took place that you went from boy wonder to maybe somebody else's boy wonder in prison? <laughs> yeah, so what happens is, so I'm, I'm at the top, and I think everything's great, but what I didn't realize that deep within uh, my soul, 
uh, there was this emptiness, but I was basically covering up with with all of the success and all of the partying and you know the women and the drugs and the, everything else. So what happened was in 1991, um, kind of at the height of our real estate uh, business, um, almost overnight uh, the real estate market cratered out here in San Francisco. We had a deep recession and all the real estate projects values were going down uh, deeply. So these mm-hmm. projects that we were building for six, seven hundred thousand dollars and selling for a million dollars and making the difference and putting into bank accounts almost overnight, these properties that we were building for six hundred thousand weren't even worth what we had put into them. So all similar the pro- to just what, what just happened. Right, and so exactly, it's a very similar to um, 2009 and 2010, uh, but this is back in 1991. So all of our projects uh, um, went into foreclosure, and almost overnight, as quickly as our rise had been, the fall was even greater, mm. and we were uh, left in, in foreclosures and bankruptcies, and everything was taken away. Not only our real estate business, and we'd lost all the investors' monies, but on top of that, uh, we lost, started getting foreclosed our personal properties, our cars were taken back, and uh, we lost everything. And on a particular summer night on July 11, 1991, uh, when I was um, uh, had just shut down our real estate uh, offices for the very last time, I had come back to my penthouse, which I was just about to lose, and I walked through my front door into the dining room area, and I collapsed on the ground. I was by myself. Nobody's with me. Um, I hadn't had a deep conversation that day. I'd just been kind of walking around a park, and I collapsed on the ground this particular Sunday night, and I started praying to God. And the prayer went something like this: "It said, God, I've you know been you know I've been living this life, and and it's all gone, and now I'm empty, and I have an emptiness that I'd never felt before in my life. And would you would you come into my life and 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 do something?" and I'm convinced that that uh, night a miracle happened, that Jesus Christ actually came into my heart, and that uh, it wasn't bright lights, it wasn't the sound of, you know, sound of music uh, playing, uh, but I sensed this peace. And um, I remembered a quote during this little prayer time, and it was just by myself, this prayer time. I remembered a quote I heard years earlier, and it was the famous Blaise Pascal quote that goes, we're all created with a God-shaped vacuum, and until you put God in his rightful place, you will be empty. And I realized during this little prayer time that that's what I had done. I tried to put everything into this hole, money and drugs and women and success, and I was as empty as I'd ever been. But after I prayed the simple prayer of God, take my life, I'm empty, I had this peace that truly transcended understanding. So I thought life was going to be great, right? Because that's what happens. You turn your life over to Christ, and everything is now going to be perfect. Well, the problem was uh, that uh, all of these real estate dealings for all of this these years that I've been working um, in the Bay Area, well, we have been um, kind of playing fast and loose with people's monies. Uh, not intentionally planning to steal people's monies, but we were not managing it uh, to the way that we were supposed to. Well, you were golden at that time, too, and everything had been working. You're exactly, you're exactly right. Um, you know, the greatest uh, deodorant is success, and when you're successful, um, everything seems to be going right. When everything starts collapsing, people start looking into how you were dealing with uh, people's properties and people's money. And basically what had happened was when the recession was hitting us and things were getting very tough in the Bay Area, 
we started having to borrow money from some real estate projects without letting those investors know we were borrowing the money, and we started mm-hmm. moving it over to other real estate projects to prop them up, to keep them going until we could sell them. The problem is that when the recession hit, uh, we couldn't sell the properties that we'd moved the money over to, so those properties went in foreclosure, so there was no money left to take and put it back to the bank accounts where we had borrowed the money. It was not mm-hmm. a traditional Ponzi scheme. It was really bar- robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. But the problem is when Paul lost his money, we couldn't pay Peter back. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in October of, ni- of, two- of 1991, four months after I turned my life over to Christ, I get a knock on my door. And actually, it wasn't so much a knock on my door. I was actually living in a small little apartment this time. I'd lost my penthouse. And they actually kicked the door open, and there was two detectives with guns, and they said, you're under arrest. Wow. And I, I had no idea when I turned my loaf over to Christ that I was four months later going to be arrested. I had no idea. I just thought, okay, I made some mistakes in real estate. It's behind me. I'll never have yeah. to deal with that again. But what had happened is those investors over those four months, as I'm growing in my relation with Christ, those investors are going to the district attorney and saying, listen, you've got to check in to these dealings of this guy, Bill Dallas, because we don't think he did things right. Well, sure enough, uh, they pressed charges, and then October of 1991, they arrested me, and my life was turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Well, you've made some really good points. It just, I, I think going back, you're talking about literally overnight, your dreams started all happening. You guys were making money hand over fist. It was just going so well for you. And I think so many times people think that the ultimate in life is to live golden like that, have all the toys, all the things, have all the money rolling in. And yet you said you were still empty and and it's never enough. You know, when we get into that cycle, it's like you just need just a little bit more and just a little bit more. And it starts taking over. And, and earlier in the show, we talked about having a filter, a value system in place when you're making decisions. And so many times we don't, we just react and we respond. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in, in a mess or really deep into something. The other thing you said was you walked into your penthouse when you're about ready to lose it and you collapse. And so many times we do have to hit that rock bottom and whatever that is for different people before we realize I can't do it anymore. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's over. And it sounds like you hit that place and you're talking about, you know, having Jesus come in and give you that peace and didn't you find that, and, and obviously, did you have some knowledge or awareness of Jesus in your life earlier? Yeah, I did, because I had occasionally attended back in high school a youth group, and so I did know um, about him. Um, I had gone to some Bible studies back in, um, in high school. In fact, it's back there that I'd heard the quote from Blaise Pascal, that we're all created with God-shaped vacuum. And until you put God in his rightful place, you'll be empty. So this all kind of flashed, these, these memories flashed uh, forward, in, in essence, while I was there laying on the ground. Um, and that's when I asked Christ into my heart. So I did have a recognition of who he was. I just never allowed him to be Lord of my life. Well, so, Bill, we, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. We only have 20 seconds, and but we get more of you to find out a little bit more about what you were saying just just now, and also just to talk uh, about now how your life was in prison. So um, go ahead and stay tuned, and we'll learn a little bit more about how Bill went from being the golden boy of the Bay Area to fresh meat in state prison.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Are you going through a crisis? Do you have a tough question you want an answer to? This is your show. It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Brilliant Essence speaks to the empowerment of women to find their highest power. Your host, Astrid Stromberg, channels answers to the toughest questions women ask of themselves. Issues ranging from divorce to gifted children to am I safe to fly to where's my soulmate, your life's mission, your lucky streak, and your highest self all come to life with Brilliant Essence. Astrid specializes in spirit communication and spirit life empowerment. She is the founder of Brilliant Essence and contributor to the book Living Our Soul Map. Unleashing the Warrior Goddess Within. For more information on Astrid and Brilliant Essence, go to BrilliantEssence.com. Giving you the power to be. It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Get a jump on what your preschool kids need to know with Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten from Stacy Cannonberg. A mom told me this is the book I've been looking for. This book gives me all the information I need about what my kids need to know. And a private school admissions director said this is exactly what we test on. Google it, get it, and get ahead. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten. Applauded and approved by parents and educators. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten is a state-approved teaching tool. On sale now, in stores, or online at cedarvalleypublishing.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, we are back with Bill Dallas. And Bill, you were just in the middle of talking about high school, and you did have some awareness of, of God. So go ahead from, from there. Okay, so I make, I make this commitment to Christ. As mentioned, four months later, I'm arrested. My world turns upside down and uh, never thought that I would get arrested. Uh, I realized the things I was doing were not correct in the real estate, uh, my real estate dealings, but I didn't think they were a crime per se. Uh, that's how caught up in everything I was. And so I go through the process thinking, okay, things are going to end up working out, right? Because I'm a Christian now. I've turned my life over to Christ. Um, I've never done anything really bad in my past. I had this one little real estate stint. But other than that, you know, I'd never done, I'd never been in trouble before with the law. So I think everything's going to work out. Well, it didn't, at least not as I saw it. And I go through the court process, and ultimately I'm given a five-year prison sentence. Wow. And so um, now here's a guy that's never been in trouble with the law before, and on top of that, has turned his life over to Christ, mm-hmm. and now I'm going uh, to prison. And initially, and it's a much longer story, but initially I was supposed to go to one of those um, club fed, you know, the kind of country club prison, and yeah. my partner ended up going to one of those. Um, I did not. Um, through a bizarre set of circumstances, they thought I was an escape risk, so they actually uh, said, you're not going to fire camp, which is the, and out here in California, it's like the country club prison system, very low level, no walls, no guards with guns. Wow. And so my partner goes there, and they transfer me to San Quentin. Wow. And, and I will tell you, Elisa and Patty, when I got off the bus 
in San Quentin, and I looked around. It's the oldest active prison in the state of California. It was built yeah. in the 1800s. And I look at these incredibly high, intimidating walls with guards with guns on top of the towers, and I look at all of these inmates, murderers and rapists and kidnappers dressed in blue in the yard that I had just pulled up in. I thought to myself a couple things. Number one, I'm never going to get out of here alive. And number yeah. two, where is God in this whole process? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I ended up getting you know, off the bus. I ended up going to get in my little cell, a tiny little cell, which was four feet by ten feet. I couldn't even stretch out my arms uh, the, in the width of the cell. It was that tiny. Wow. There's a toilet, a sink. And it's a bunk bed situation, so there's another inmate. We can't even pass with each other without one of us getting on to the uh, to his bunk. It's that tight and small in there. And I spend the night there um, just in panic. The next morning, I get out of my cell, and I go down into the prison yard. Uh, there's a little grassy area there, and I curl up, not figuratively, but literally. I curl up in a ball, and I start crying. And this becomes my daily routine for the next uh, three to four weeks that every night I force myself into this tiny little cell in San Quentin State Prison. And every day I get out of the cell and I go down to the little grass area and I curl up in the fetal position. I cry and I cry. I stop bathing. I stop shaving. I'm barely eating, barely going to the bathroom. And I start praying the prayer of Elijah from First Kings. I said, God, I've had enough. Take my life. I, I want to go home. And I had hit the bottom of all bottoms, and I, I wanted to die. Yeah. I can't even imagine the emotion because it's like, I'm sure you're going, I was in a penthouse living, and now I'm in this cell. And I would think it would be so hard to wrap your head around that, the, the, the reality of I am actually sitting here in this place that I see on the on the tv <laughs> what how did how did this happen how did i get here and like you said i think so many times when we we take jesus in as our savior we think we're immune from consequences of things that we that of decisions we make and yet we know that's not true but yet through it all god is still god and he is still good and he is with us he never leaves us but you didn't you find that you're that you experience god in a way that you never had to rely on him yeah, and you so what ends, up, what ends up happening is that you're exactly right. So, you know, you, first of all, I never expected to be here. You know, something you see in the movies, you don't ever think it's going to happen to you. On top of that, I turned my life over to Christ, so isn't it supposed to get better, not worse? Mm-hmm. My partner had gone to a country club prison, and here I am, you know, in kind of the worst of the worst prisons. But when I finally hit that bottom, it's when the miracles started happening. Um, the Bible says in Psalms, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and save those who are crushed in spirit. And he also, the first beatitude in, in Matthew chapter 5 is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's, it's when we become the beggars, when we finally hit that bottom, that God starts working in miraculous ways. And, you know, we see those verses like, you know, James 1, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter the troubles and trials. So there's a process and a purpose of all of this. But we don't like it, and so sometimes God actually has to allow us to go to these places so we can actually do miracles in our lives. I mean, Chuck Swindoll says it the best, that sometimes our most difficult situations are actually great opportunities that are brilliantly disguised 
mm-hmm. as impossible situations. That so we see these things as, oh no, there's no way anything good can come out of it. Well, what happened to me is when I hit the bottom, there's, there's a series of inmates or a series of, of meetings with these inmates, these guys that I prejudged when I got off the bus, these guys who I thought were the worst of the worst. I couldn't read their hearts and what had happened. 15, 20 years earlier when they had got to San Quentin, they had their breaking experience too, and God had done a miracle in their lives. I didn't see it when I first got off the bus. When I was finally at the bottom, when I was actually curled up in this fetal position, it's when they started coming over and they started ministering to me. These hardened, tough Mm. criminals from the outside had these tender hearts, and they started ministering to me. So over the next couple years, while I'm in San Quentin, I'm being ministered by God's uh, army, God's true disciples, mm-hmm. and through this process, I started understanding what real faith was, that you can be stripped of everything, you can lose everything, and yet you still can have it all. You don't need the cars, you don't need the careers, you don't need the um, jobs, you don't need the family, per se. Yeah, all those are good, there's nothing wrong with any of them, but ultimately, as you get close to God in an intimate relationship, these things, as Paul said, in so many of his letters and in, in the epistles, is these things are secondary. The closer you get to Christ, you realize, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. But if you follow the verses just before that, it's that he learned that he, has, that he can lose everything, and yet if you have Christ, you don't need all those things. They're not bad in themselves, but those, that relation with Christ is ultimately the most important. And I had to be stripped of everything, to realize that. And it is in that that I realized that God had given me a great gift. And so sometimes people are listening right now. They're going, yeah, but I'm going through this tough marriage. I'm going through this you know, job loss or a financial situation or whatever. And, and I, I can't tell you that I can feel exactly how you're feeling as you're listening to my voice. All I can tell you, I got to the lowest of the low, and God mm-hmm. ended up using that for great purposes in my life and great, and this is the important word, great blessings in my life, even though everything was being stripped away from me. Mm-hmm. And you don't see it when you're in the midst, because that's the point. You have to feel the pain. But after mm-hmm. you get through it, you look back and you say, wow. And I've said this about prison. I would never, ever want to go through it again. But I would change nothing about mm-hmm. it. If you could say, okay, you go back 25 years and never have to go to prison, I would say the only thing I would change is I wished I had not lost all of our investors' money. Other than that, I would change nothing. I would go through those doors of San Quentin again because as painful as it was, the experience and the lessons taught that were also taught through these incredible inmates of San Quentin, but also what God did through them and all the other things that happened during my years there, it would, I would change nothing about it because it was so impactful and it so changed my life, which is ultimately what happens in our trials and our sufferings. We truly realize that they are, in essence, a gift, but we don't feel them in the midst of it. Absolutely. And you've said so much that's so profound because so many times we allow our situations and, like, you know, you hear you are sitting in jail to define and dictate who we are and who we are and our future going forward. And, and you didn't allow that to define that you're, you know, I, I'm a, I'm an inmate. I'm a, I'm a felon, but there is hope on the other side. There's always hope with God. And so many times we allow, it goes back to that classic happiness and joy 
Happiness is determined by your situation. Joy comes from inside. And though you can be sitting in prison, like you said, with horrible conditions and, you know, one of the worst places, yet you can still find that joy and that inner peace because God is still God and he still gives that to us. I want to ask you a couple of questions. You talked about these incredible inmates who really ministered and touched your life. And Patty and I are so much about relationships and just the people aspect to life. And um, can you share a little bit about some of those relationships with those those inmates, what they were like then and even to this day, are you with them? And another thing is your partner. Obviously, you guys were separated and went to two different places. Are you guys still friends? Was he a believer? Did he come discover the Lord? Can you just explain about those relationships yeah, in your life? So, so first, my, my partner, Tony, became a Christian after I did. Um, he actually moved to Missouri after he got out of prison. Uh, we occasionally talk by phone. We still have a good relationship, although we don't see each other regularly. Uh, but God was working his life just as he was with mine. So it's kind of amazing because we both came to faith uh, through this process, although at different times. Uh, those inmates, uh, my brothers, they're, they're my heroes. They're, they're my Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Uh, they're my cloud of witnesses, although many of them uh, are still alive. Uh, some have gotten out. Uh, some are still in after 25, 30 years. They're still in wow. prison. Uh, but the most amazing thing about it is um, they... They didn't, they had each other, they had Christ and they had each other, and that's it. They didn't have all of the, the other things that we have. So in some ways, um, there, there's an advantage, right, because they don't have the schedule we have. They didn't have to worry about certain things, so they didn't have to be bombarded with media and with all the, the trinkets and toys that we had caught up with in our society. Um, so they really could only rely upon God and, and each other. I would say the most important thing that I learned through this whole process is, is this, is number one, that no matter how difficult it is, as you walk, God is there. I mean, it truly is that famous poem. It's the footprints in the sand. He is there with you. And sometimes yeah. it's hard, but when it's the most hardest time, he will bring somebody in your life that will help bear the burdens, as it says in Galatians, and he'll help, bear it. And when the person is not there in your life, that means that right now, it's not needed. But when you're at your lowest, people will be in your lives. And I would say this to people that come into other people's lives. When you come into somebody's life to, to help support and encourage them like the inmates did at San Quentin, the first and most important thing is just to be with your presence. It's not to try to answer questions or why somebody's going through a difficulty. Just be in the presence. It's the power of being, not the power of trying to answer every question. Oh, thank you so much, Bill. We so appreciate it. It's been an honor having you on the show. And go to the website to um, look at his book, Lessons from San Quentin. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. 
and two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, fairytalewishesinc.com. And for Diana, the next big zing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. Celebrate Green is coming to Toginet, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th. The mother-daughter team of Lynn and Corey will have you going green and loving it in no time at all. As heard on Martha Stewart and Disney Radio and seen blogging for HGTV, Lynn Caldwell and Corey Caldwell-Lipsum are unapologetic evangelists for greening every aspect of life, especially holidays and celebrations. Based on their book, Celebrate Green, they're putting the meaning in the greening with their simple, fun, eco-friendly, affordable ideas. From their start with green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday, you'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online, too, at CelebrateGreen.net and GreenHalloween.org for more information, the newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to Celebrate Green, the radio show with Lynn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, today we ask the question, do you have a filter or a set of values you rely on when making decisions that affect your life? We've just been talking about decisions that we make, and and some are automatic, and some of them are are pretty significant ones that have consequences and that affect other people. And we just got done talking to Bill Dallas, who actually spent time in San Quentin for and as some consequences to some decisions he had made in his life. And you can read more about Bill's story in Lessons from San Quentin, Everything I Needed to Know About Life. And we just had a riveting conversation with here, and, and, and unfortunately, we had to cut it short. But we are excited right now. We're just going to be talking with a girlfriend who does remarkable things, is, a, is, is wise beyond her years, and she's paying us big bucks to say all this, and really likes to rally women to do the remarkable. And Kelly, welcome to our show. And we are so excited to have you because we just want to kind of just kind of recap and talk about some of the things that Bill talked about and just as we watch women and work with women, just some of the decisions that women make and, and maybe how do we help them have a better filter system? Good morning. Oh, my gosh. That was a great, great um, segment. I loved listening to him. I could have listened a lot longer. I know. I wanted to hear him tell some more stories about when he was in prison because you have such um, – a, a lens of what prison would be like, and here you are in the fetal position, and these men are all coming around you. I would not think that they were there to minister me, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you want—I wanted to just break down that whole section right there and go, okay, what did the first guy even say? What you know? Who was your first friend? Yeah. How was your roommate? I know all those yeah. little details. I wanted to like dig into. I know. I was thinking that in his book, and and I I've been able to kind of look at him. Um, through this new book that's coming out, and I said 12 core principles, 
character shaped by the Bible is the um, is the tagline. I thought, okay, did one of the principles come just simply from letting people in that probably he was afraid of? Yeah, exactly. And I love that how he said, you know, I my perception was that you know here's all this these rapists and murderers and kidnappers and. And then, you know, as he meets them, he really gets to see their heart. And we do that so many times. It's our first perception, and we don't let people in, and we don't do yeah. what, what God's asked us to do, which is to love others, simply because we already have a lens and a filter of, of how we see them. Right, right. And at any other time in his life, would he have chosen um, men in, at San Quentin uh, for decades in prison to be ministering to him, to speak into his life? and um, to stir him to growth in Christ. I mean, would that have ever in his life <laughs> been his, you know, little pack of buddies that he'd run with? Well, you know what is interesting, and I think this is one of the things as we work with women, and one of the messages is so many times we try to do life alone, and we isolate ourselves, and, you know, whether we're, we deal with guilt or shame, and, and we don't want to open ourselves up to other people, mm-hmm. but it really is significant to find even one or two people in your life that you will allow to speak into your life and to help you in some of the decisions that you make. But people that have earned the credibility, that have wisdom, that have discernment. But I think that's hard for women to go, I'm going to let somebody speak into my life because I, I don't know, we have pride or we don't want somebody to know and be vulnerable to other people. But yet when we are not vulnerable, that's when we are so apt to make some unwise decisions and have to deal with some consequences we don't want to have to deal with. And yeah. many times we don't want people to see us. Like you said, maybe it's pride. I, I like um, Bill Dallas has a quote. I believe that image was everything and I was selling it big time. And, and I think women, we can. Hello. the dealings with women, some of the conversations, what are you, what do you see as some obstacles for women and just making wise decisions? Well, first and foremost, I would say um, that their filter is uh, so incredibly large that uh, they just allow so many things into their life that making a clear decision that has real moral value or um, is wise is almost impossible because they have allowed so much into their life. Their filter is just way too big, in my opinion. And, and that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Part of that is their um, ability to, um, to use the same term, to filter out kind of the wrong people who speak into their life. I think that what I heard from him and what I see in a lot of women is the attraction to that image that's being sold in other people or, or, you know, um, TV shows and the way we dress and just everything. It's the way it's sold is so attractive. And so um, women choose that over possibly the friend or the person who, A, could speak real truth into their life and, and B, really is, has a foundation that's worthy. And um, that's not as attractive when somebody is looking to make their own image different or um, to bring some excitement into their life that maybe they feel like they don't have. And, and I could hear that in him, and I definitely see that in women. I want so much more for them uh, in terms of just their heart and their ability to be um, an imp- make an impact in this world. And 
we short, we're just short-sighted sometimes. I think uh, that is such a strong statement and it's so poignant to, to think of it that way that um, we get caught up so much in selling that, like you said, that we're not even really looking at what we are doing with even our day on a daily we just look at it as I'm just going to survive. And with that, I want to be, I want to be in the, the best crowd. I want to, you know, I mean, even down to shopping for shoes, it's like we get caught up in just the silliest things. And not that there's anything wrong with wearing awesome shoes. <laughs> and you do like your nice, cute little shoes. <laughs> but you do have to start looking at, yeah, we can be rich in life by what we have in our relationships with Christ and with others, rather than we, we think we have to have that what our culture and our society considers well and as having well. healthy relationships because like I said you could have all these people that don't have share the same values with you and so you can easily be led down a path that you don't even realize you're going down I think so many times as women we find that you're like, you're like how did I get here and like Bill even said how I'm getting off this bus in San Quentin how did I get here mm-hmm. and right. I think so many times we're so clueless to that and it's like we need to have like some checkpoints along the way to go how I'm doing? I mean, we go to the doctor every year. Where are we supposed to? And and, and have a checkup. Mm-hmm. But yet we don't put a you know some checks and balances in our own lives and our decisions we're making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I see women going into. I kind of I can put a term on it. They kind of build their own kingdom. And and Bill Dallas certainly did that um, in real estate or thought he was anyway. And women will build their own kingdom by having like these pocket relationships that have no depth to them. And this is what I meant by having this huge filter. They have boarding events for their children over here, and they're kind of a part of that, you know, group of women and the moms and the playing the games, and they see them, uh, you know, infrequently, maybe once a week or something like that. Then they have who they might see in their school environment, and if they work, they have their work environment. If they go to church, they have their church environment. So really, they've spread themselves now sometimes five, six different groups of um of organizations or people within their life and no depth to any of those relationships. They can be anyone they need to be in any one of those situations. And a lot of things influence who they are based on, you know, is it the sporting event? Is it the club team? Did we, did we all spend a lot of money to be a part of the sports team? And are we all traveling now on the weekend? And there's an image there that they've got to maintain amongst all of those parents. And then they do the same thing maybe at school based on who their kids' friends are and all that kind of stuff. And so, what you have now is this huge filter, and I have to be all these different um, women, whereas if I just focused on a few places in my life where I'm going to allow others in, I'm going to be the same person no matter where I go. So, so what would be, how, how do you bring that filter in? How do you reel it in a little bit? Well, I think that what I do and what I would suggest to people, is, to women especially, is that it's not that you can't be involved in all those different places and ways in your life because I know a lot of women can do it. I, I have three children. There's a lot of places and organizations and groups of people that um, I am involved with because my family's involved with them. But my investment in that um, can't be what it is going to be in the other places of my life where I know God has a purpose in using me. So I have to actually say, no, I, I might be, um, you know, the best team mom that there ever was, which incidentally I was the worst team mom. I only did it one time. <laughs> that was awful. But, um, you know, I might be the best 
team mom because I've got it all together. Well, instead of me putting that out there and, um, and playing that significant role in all these different places, I have to stop and say, this is, where does God want to use me? And uh, where do I see him at work? And where do I jump in and be a part of that? And I kind of have to rein myself in. So you have to be kind of disciplined and, and um, recognize that you can't be in all of these different situations and be useful. You have to know, no. okay, there's only certain ways and times that I'm going to do this. It's like Abe Lincoln when he said, you know, whatever you do, be the best at it. Yeah. And that is so true. You almost have to have someone give you permission. I know um, I was the room mom forever. And same thing. I realized I am doing a horrible <laughs> job at this because you are. You're over here, you know. You're doing it more out of duty. Your heart is so nutty into Well, it. I did it because my mom always did it. Yes, you know, yes. so you end up. And I know even this summer you guys are teasing me because I'm going to three separate church camps <laughs> with three different kids. And you do start going, okay, let me evaluate this exactly for just a second. yeah why is our why am i really doing this well i know we only have like a minute left in the show in this show and kelly we so appreciate you coming on and just dialogue with me because this is really a significant topic um just making wise decisions because we are a sum total of our decisions and yeah. we do have the consequences and so many times we don't see beyond and um, i'm just gonna there's a commercial out right now that i saw last night and it's this guy out in arizona with the boats and he's getting ready to, to get his boat launched and the, the gal in the boat says, hey, do you want a beer? And he, he's so tempted to say yes. And then all of a sudden he looks up and he sees this whole line of cops with the lights blinking behind him. And he says, no, I'm driving right now. And I thought, how significant? Because he saw the consequences, but it's not always that easy. We don't always see the consequences staring us at the fa- in our face yeah. to be able to make a wise decision. And yeah. so many times, maybe we have to kind of envision, what would the consequences be to this decision before we make it? And with that, we just want to say thank you just for joining us today. And, you know, hopefully each one of us, we, we learned a little bit and we will be able to make a wise decision and have a filter in place and have somebody in our life that will help us. Go out there and do the remarkable. See you next week. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.